So in chapter 9, we've already looked at... Uh, uh, we're in a renewed creation, right? We are, uh, we've understood... We've seen the, the flood and uh, at the end of... Uh, at the end of 8, beginning of 9, we saw the in, in the first part of chapter 9, we saw the covenant being made with Noah. God's not going to destroy the earth anymore. He's, uh, what else was it? He blessed Noah, told him to be fruitful and multiply. He said that his dominion would be different now than it was in Adam's day because the animals will fear him. And there, you know, it, it, all kind of things we saw about the covenant and about all of those things. And uh, what we're going to see today if there was man if there was one section that i would skip it would be this one i mean there is i'm already going to tell you i'm not going to be able to answer every question that you're going to have because to be honest with you there's there's some things that i have questions about in this this section of text in chapter nine um, we'll do our best, but what you need to know is that the point of this, the point of this section in chapter 9 is for us to understand that even after the flood, even after the covenant, even after uh, God destroyed everything except for one righteous man, the, seed, the lines of the seed of the serpent and the line of the seed of the woman are both still active in Noah's sons. Uh, they're both still active in humanity. The curse has not been done away with. The real problem, which is sin in the human heart, has not been fixed. Uh, even after creation is wiped out and, and all things are started anew and God has given some laws, you know, if a man sheds blood, by, by man his blood must be shed. Even after all of that, what we're going to see here is that there's still an issue. There's still a problem. And that the line of the serpent is still active uh, in those sons. Okay? So there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to discuss. And so we may not... We may not be able to answer everything, but basically the seed of the serpent is going to continue in the line of Ham. Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And the, the line of the serpent is going to continue in Ham, and the, line, the seed of the woman is going to continue in Shem. Which is, if you're ever wondering, uh, Shem is where we get the word Semitic or Semite. You know, you've heard about the anti-Semitic means anti-Jewish. The Jewish line is the Semitic line. We get that from Shem. That was his, that's where we get it from Shem, the Shemitic line. And so anyway, there's just a little tidbit of useless information for you. Um, verse 18 and 19 says, let me get to verse 18 and 19. It says, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. You need to understand, every time that we see Ham's name in this section, Canaan's name is going to be attached to it. Because the focus of this passage is going to be the cursing of Canaan, and the blessing of the other two lines, Shem and Japheth's line. So every time he says the word Ham, he's going to say the father of Canaan. Uh, now it's important because as Moses is writing this, what's going on in Israel? Moses is sitting down to write, the Holy Spirit's inspired Moses to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. What's going on? The people are about to go into the promised land. This is, the, this is the point in time where it's right before Moses dies. He, then Joshua takes the people into the promised land. And who are they going to fight in the promised land? 
the Canaanites, right? And so the enemy number one of Israel is Canaan, the Canaanites. And so what we're going to see, what we see is the focus of this passage is going to be on the, the sin of Ham, which led to the cursing of Canaan. Ham, in the next chapter, you can see Ham actually had four sons and Canaan was the youngest son. And so there's lots of questions about why we're focusing on Canaan and all those kind of things. And we'll get to those as we as we get to them. Uh, but he says, he says, uh, where am I at? Verse 18. And the sons of Noah went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread, which means the whole earth was populated. The whole earth was scattered from these three sons. So you and I and everybody, all the people in Asia, all the people in Africa, all the people in South America, all the people everywhere have come from the three sons of Noah. Everybody can trace their uh, lineage back to those three, those three people. There was no one else on the planet. All men came from Noah's sons. Now here's where we get into the issues, and y'all just feel free to speak up. Noah began to be a husbandman. Literally, it says Noah was a man of the ground. Noah was the man. In Hebrew, it says he was a ish ha That was a man of the ground. You remember when we talked about Adam being made from the ground? Adam was made from the Adamah, the ground. Um, here it says Noah was the man of the ground, which which does mean he was like a farmer, a worker of the ground. So a husbandman is the, the word that used for farmer and all that kind of thing. And he made a vineyard. Uh, but I think it says more than that. He was a man of the ground. He was still a man of Adam. And we're going to see that right here because Noah's going to sin. He's going to sin. And so Noah is not perfect, but he is still a man of Adam. He is still a man of the ground. He plants a vineyard in verse 20, planted a vineyard and 21. And he drank of the wine and was drunken and he was uncovered within his tent. He was naked in his tent. Now, there is a lot of question about this section does not comment one way or the other about what Noah did. So the focus of the passage is not on Noah's sin. It's on Ham's sin. There are some people that say Noah didn't sin at all, you know, because the Bible says, you know, that, that you know, uh, some people think, all right, let me, let me just walk through these before I get distracted. Um, some will say that Noah didn't sin at all. That it was Ham's sin and he just didn't realize that wine would make you drunk and all of a sudden he's overtaken by the fact that the fruit of the vine made you drunk and he got messed up and didn't know any better and this is the first time he got wine. I don't think that's possible. He's still drunk. <laughs> He's still said, drunk. He said before the flood that people were eating and drinking. Yes. And being, you know, but he had married. to make the wine. It wasn't just juice. Yeah, that's right. It took it took years. <laughs> yeah. It took years to plant a vineyard, let it grow up, ferment the wine. Plus, like she said, it, Jesus said in the days before the flood, men were eating and drinking and you know doing those things. So don't think you can make the case for that. Um, there are some that that think um, that you know he he didn't do anything wrong because he was just in his own tent, and when it says he was uncovered, means he was naked. But 
regardless of how you can see in some passages where it says wine is a gift from God and wine makes the heart happy and all those kind of things. But nowhere, every time in Scripture, drunkenness is always a sin. Always. There is never a time in Scripture where drunkenness is not a sin. Okay? Always. And so for Noah's drunkenness here, he was drunken. The Bible, for, for this not to be a sin in, in, in the life of Noah, uh, the whole rest of the Bible would contradict this. Because everywhere, everywhere, drunkenness is a sin. And everywhere in the Bible, nakedness is a sign of shame. Not just, you know, if you're in your house and you're naked, not necessarily, but for someone to see a person naked, it would is shameful. And it goes all the way back to Adam. Remember what happened to Adam when he ate? He realized what? I'm naked and he was ashamed. And that was very important for Moses to tell us at the very beginning that Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed before the fall. And so drunkenness and nakedness is always resoundingly uh, bad in Scripture. And so I do think that this was Noah's, this was, uh, Noah's sin. But you have to remember that the focus is not Noah's sin because the Bible doesn't condemn or condone what Noah did. He's, they're just telling us the story. What's going to happen here is we're going to see Ham's sin is the focus of the text. Are y'all with me? Y'all understand that? Is there any questions? So I don't think you can make a case that Noah is just doing what he's supposed to do. And Now, what does that say to you? What does that say to you about Noah? Who up until this point, we have seen nothing but righteousness and obedience and standing fast before the world when the whole world is against you and persecuting you and whatever. And Noah's just, I don't care. I'm going to stand for God. And then all of a sudden, here we are with this picture of Noah. What does that say to you? Is that just human Well, yeah. That you know, any man nature. can fall. Sinful nature, any and man so I can fall. I looked at he's not perfect. It was God who had grace on him. Well, that's true. You know, grace. and I look at that's like true. This, as righteous as he was to this point, he had to mess up somewhere because he can't be perfect because there's only one. That's right. He's not. We we know that he's a perfect, not imperfect man. Well, it had to be stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Like I need a little. <laughs> I mean, dude got in his house alone and naked with a glass you know, of wine, you know. That don't even, the way you said that don't even sound right. He got in his house naked with some wine. <laughs> but think about, think about this. Noah stood, this is, this is what, this is what I kind of got from it. And uh, I, I've read this before too, so it's not just an original thought with me either. Uh, but, Noah stood firm when the whole world was against him. I mean, it's like, it's time to fight. I got to preach righteousness. I got to be obedient to the Lord. Hundreds of years building this ark. And then after everybody's dead and it's no one left but him and his family, you think he might have... Well, I can relax a little bit now, you know. I don't have to. I don't have to have all the armor on. I don't have to be against, you know. And when he when he let that guard down, temptation was right there. Temptation was right there, and it just got him. It got him. And so, even when it's almost like <clears throat> Dana could tell you, like when uh, when I'm working at the hospital, or if you're out 
you know, doing pastoral work or, or whatever, you know, you, you've got your, you've got your, that's probably, probably not the best way to put it, but you got your deal on, you know what I mean? You got your, you got your, I'm here to help people. I'm here, you know, I'm here to minister and this is what Jesus wants me to do. And why has Jesus got me in this situation? How can I bring the gospel to bear? And when I get home, Dana's like, well, can you do that? I'm tired. Leave me alone. What do you mean? Come on. You know, it's, it's different. It, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, Noah, he didn't need to battle the world anymore. He could let his guard down and, you know, just, you know, okay, the fight is over. I can relax and plant a garden. Oh, look at this. There's some wine. You know, it was easy for him to fall into temptation in his house when, uh, I say house, but when he was with those that his family his you know he was just there there was no one else around there was no the the battle he had come through the battle victorious because of God's grace and God's mercy and all those he had come through and now he could kind of let his guard down and temptation was remember what he said to Cain sin is at the door crouching it's waiting to have you yeah. and you see that right there in Noah's life it had been a while because it takes a while to plant a vineyard Oh yeah. Well, he says he lived 300 years takes, after it, the flood. It, yeah, it takes time. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about the next day That's after right. the flood. We, we're ta- it takes time for him to for him to have done all these things. Okay, so Noah is butt naked in the tent, with drunk, passed out, and uh, yeah, my mom's gonna listen to this. She's gonna say, "Why did you say that?" <laughs> and so it says he was drunk as wine. He was uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, every time you see Ham's name, he's going to say the father of Canaan. He saw the nakedness of his father and he told his two brethren without, outside, me. And so, and Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of the father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. Now, here is where we have we have lots of questions that come into come into play. Um, in Leviticus 18, I'm not going to read it to you, but just that whole chapter, it talks about uncovering someone's nakedness. Thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy father or thy mother or thy sister or the, you know you shall. So uncovering nakedness is widely condemned throughout the Bible. Sometimes it is used, meaning you know to sleep with. You know, to uncover the nakedness of your sister means thou shalt not sleep with your sister. You know, in Leviticus 18, uh, sometimes it means to gaze upon someone's nakedness. Not like, not like, open a door and somebody's in the bathroom, like, ooh, sorry. Not like that. We're talking about like, hey, that's what we're talking about. <clears throat> like David and Bathsheba. Yeah, he didn't just look and say, ooh, ah. he gazed upon. Their nakedness. And so what you see here, there are going to be some of the, uh, in reading and studying on this passage, there are some of the wildest, most disgusting interpretations of what Ham did to his father that you could possibly imagine. Uh, None of that makes sense because Japheth and and Shem are, are... 
portrayed to be more righteous by simply walking backwards and not looking. You know, so what Ham's sin was was he he did two things. Uh, his sin was he dishonored his father. It's as simple as that. But he looked upon, he gazed upon the nakedness of his father, probably not in a lustful way or something gross like that, but just in a dishonoring, you know, because he fell, because he sinned. Look at this goofy, you know. And then he went out and tried to drag his brothers into the sin with him. And instead of his brothers coming and dishonoring their father, they honored their father by refusing to look at his look at his shame. And they came and covered his shame. That makes sense. So, what are the characteristics of the two lines? You got the line of the serpent, and you got the line of the seed of the woman, which we know culminates in Christ. One is roundly uh, presented to us in Scripture as the accuser, right? He's the one that accuses the brethren day and night. He's the one that always brings accusation. What did Ham do? He looked at the shame of his father and he went out to accuse uh, with his brothers. And he wanted to draw the brothers into the sin that he was engaged in. And what did the brothers do? The other, the seed of the woman, characteristic of the seed of the woman, is it's going to cover the shame. That's what Jesus does. He covers the shame of His people. He covers the sin of His people. And that's the characteristic that you see in Shem and Japheth, right? They backed up. They walked into the tent backwards with a garment on their shoulder. And they dropped the garment over Noah so they wouldn't have to look upon his shame. One looked upon his shame and accused him of that shame. The others covered that shame in uh, in honor of their father. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Yeah. Yeah. Questions? Yes. Okay. When I read it, and and after he gazed upon his <coughs> and went and told his brothers, I was under the impression that maybe he felt guilty and went and told his brothers, but that's not the case. I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and, and when he curses uh, Canaan, um, I think that also leads us to believe that he was he was delighting in his father's shame. When it says, let's see, and uh, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brethren without. He went and told his brethren outside. What would an honorable son do if he saw his father in the condition that Noah? To honor your father, what would you have done? You'd have covered him up right then, and even if he did see his nakedness, he would have. Yeah, I mean, this is not that far removed from our own culture. I mean, what if, what if, you know, what if I busted in you in on you in the bathroom and took a picture, and then put the picture on Facebook? That's, that's different. Yeah, no, it's not different. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's exactly the same. <clears throat> that's exactly the same. You would not just. You would not say, "Oh man, you you shouldn't have done." You would. You'd be t- angry. I mean, you would be absolutely. You you wouldn't even have to be naked. You know, you, you, some people. You know, or or let's not say Facebook. Like, if if. I don't know if I'm trying to think of a scenario that might actually, you know, if I busted in you, busted in on you in the bathroom, and then you come to church the next morning, and everybody in church knows that I busted in you on the bathroom just because I've been running my mouth, you'd be angry. That's dishonorable. That's dishonorable what you've done. 
And that's exactly what Ham did to Noah. He he not only gazed upon his nakedness, but he went and he tried. What does Satan want to do? Remember what he did to the lions in chapter six? The lions, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. He wanted to get them. He wanted to get them diluted. He wanted. To, he wants to destroy the line through which the seed of the woman is going to come. That is Satan. Uh, give you the uh, kind of a thematic overview of the Bible. That is Satan's plan throughout all of Scripture. You're going to see it when they go to Egypt. Pharaoh is going to be the seed of the serpent. He's going to try to do everything he can to destroy the line through which. I mean, he's just he's just being evil. But Satan using him is going to try to destroy the line. What do they do? They kill all the babies so Moses will die. You know, trying to trying to find Moses, even all the way into Bethlehem. What does Herod do? He wants to kill all the babies just so this one seed of the woman that's going to be born will be destroyed and we'll have to deal with it. Throughout the whole Bible, that is the picture that we see over and over again. He's trying to get rid of that line. So the seed of the woman who's going to crush the serpent's head will be destroyed and won't have to won't have to worry about having his head crushed. And that's what you, what would have happened if if uh if Ham would have been successful in bringing Shem and Japheth into his sin, mm. what would have happened? Humanity would have lost all hope. Mm-hmm. There would have been no hope. I mean, it would have been no hope for anything. It would have been no savior. There would have been no light. Everything would have been cursed. The whole thing. Now, we know that, would, that didn't happen and it couldn't have happened. Why? Because God made a promise. That the seed would continue and that one day that seed would come forth. But that is the that's what's at issue here. It's not just three dudes and one of them messed up and you know we're all sinful and we try. There's a bigger story at work here, and that is the line of the seed of the woman and the line of the seed of the serpent. They're at odds with each other. And what what's being presented here is that even in the three sons of Noah who were saved from the flood, saved from the destruction, the line of the seed is still active. The line of the seed of the serpent is still active and the seed of the woman is still active. Does that make sense? Got a question, okay, go ahead. Why don't you think God dealt with Noah besides using grace and mercy, which you can always go to that? You can. Why don't you think God dealt with him directly because of that his sin? Because it never says that God technically punished Noah for what he did. Well, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And to be honest with you, first of all, I'll preface that by saying I don't know. We can't it doesn't it doesn't just it doesn't discuss Noah's sin being exceedingly sinful or doesn't condemn it and it doesn't acknowledge I mean it doesn't condone it it doesn't say all it's doing is telling us what happened really with Noah Um, but I will say this that if God came in fiery punishment every time someone sinned uh, none of us would be here today. We'd be, we would have been, we would have been dead probably the first five minutes after we woke up this morning. Uh, and so, I, I think God uses all things for good. God doesn't tempt to evil, or is not tempted to be evil, but He uses all things for good. That includes, that includes the sinful things, the awful things. We'll see that once we get to Joseph, you know, and his brothers whipped his butt and put him in a pit, and uh, you know, there, there, that is utterly sinful. But at the end of Genesis, God, Joseph says, God meant this for good, for me to be in Egypt to save people alive. And so, see, God's still using those things. I have a question. That had to be hard. 
too, because this was his son, and he just had to curse him. And then, of course, just the uh, betrayal. Uh, so I'm sure he did suffer, you know, because his son betrayed Emotionally. him. Emotionally. Yeah, he, his son betrayed him, and then he has to pronounce a curse on his blood. Yeah. His son, so... I wonder why he didn't curse his son instead of his grandson. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. That's and another not, question. The one, not the firstborn, but I mean the, the youngest. Yeah. You know, he was the baby. And was the baby, naturally. <laughs> Do you have a question? Yeah. I, I'm going to get to that. That's why I didn't answer. I just wondered why Ham even... I wonder if, if Ham even thought that his other brothers would even partake in his fun against his dad. I don't know. You know, because, I mean, he, without a shadow of a doubt, thought, oh, I'm going to go get my brothers and show them. Yeah. You know, I wonder why he even thought that they would partake in this. Now, all of this is just speculation. We can't know for sure because it doesn't tell us. But uh, just while you were saying that, I got to thinking well, it's one of the characteristics of, of Satan, of the seed <laughs> of the serpent to be envious and jealous and whatever so this Noah is you know Mr. Righteous Man and Ham's showing them look he's not such a you know he he's accusing him you know he look at look look at your dad here he's all sinful he's not as he's not the man y'all think he is come here and let me show you this deal instead of going along with the accusation they covered his sin covered his nakedness it's kind of uh, why you look at an Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Um, but we're going to see that his line is not just, it's not just, uh, I mean, he is, he's wicked. I mean, we're all wicked when it comes to our heart, but he is going to be used as the line. If we go into the table of nations in chapter 10, you're going to see all the ites. They're going to come from, they're going to come from Ham, you know, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the, all the people that the that they destroy. The Egyptians come from Ham. The, you know, all these enemies of the of that we're going to see throughout the Bible. They come from, they all come from Ham, and so his line is going to produce the enemies of God, the enemies of God's people, uh, and so um, you've got. The, the point it's making is that even after all this is destroyed, God starts over with one man, his three sons, and their wives. You still have the same problem that you had back in the garden. You still have the, the wretched human heart, and you still have this seed of the serpent that is in this line that, uh, that is still active. And it's trying to do all it can to destroy God's people, God's purpose, God's plan. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's going to be... It's going to be the uh, the uh, the target of God's promise as Jesus comes and finally crushes the head of the serpent. So, what's next is what Miss Judy was talking about is called the. It's called. You're going to see it over and over again. We might as well get to learn it now. It's called the patriarchal pronouncement. You're going to see it every time a father passes on the blessing to their son. You're going to see it when Abraham passes it on to Isaac. You're going to see when Isaac passes it on to Jacob. And the, the funny thing about this is it's God who chooses his seed. It's God who chooses his seed even when the daddies want to give it to somebody else. You know, Isaac wanted to give it to Esau and he's going to try all he can to give it to Esau. But God is going to use even the, the deceptive 
things of Jacob's mom and Jacob to get Jacob in there and get the blessing, you know. And you're going to see the same thing with Joseph's kids, Manasseh and Ephraim. Y'all know that story where um, Joseph, bring, we'll, we'll get to it. Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim to Isaac and uh, or Jacob. Yeah. Jacob, Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim, his two kids, and Joseph uh, puts his hands, he puts, it, he puts his right hand on the young one and puts his left hand on the old one, and Joseph tries to move his hands to say, no, 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 this is the oldest. And Joseph said, no, this is where the blessing goes. Well, he <clears throat> yeah, he was blind and couldn't see, and Joseph was moving his hands. The point of all that is to say, you're going to see this over and over again. This is called a patriarchal pronouncement. It's where it's where the blessing of father to son coincides with the blessing that God of the seed is giving, is passing down through the lines. Does that make sense? Okay, okay probably not, but we'll get to it when we get to it. It says, uh, Noah wakes up. Verse 24, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. He had dishonored him. And he said, and there we are, this is given, this is a prophetic pronouncement of curse and blessing. This is not just an angry, hungover dude saying, you're cursed. This is a prophetic pronouncement uh, from God uh, by Noah of the cursing and blessing of the lines of the sons. Notice, you got to notice this. The actual sons are not cursed or blessed. It is the descendants of each son that are cursed or blessed. Look what it says. It says, and he says, cursed be Canaan. Canaan is not, Canaan is Ham's fourth son. And he's talking about the people of the Canaanites, the, Can the line of Canaan. The servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Um, he cursed Canaan, Miss Judy. Because, um, what's the best way to explain this? Um, I don't believe in, I'll go on to tell you this now, I don't believe in the whole generational curse stuff. So if that's you, that's, you know, we could talk about that. It's clear, Deuteronomy, Ezekiel, the sins of the father are not visited upon the sins of the son, although the consequences of the sins of the father are definitely visited upon the sins of the son. Uh, what I think is going on here is that Noah is prophetically, he's, this is, this is, if you would see this in the Hebrew text, it's, it's poetry right here. Noah is speaking uh, prophetically and he is giving, he, he sees that the line of the seed of the serpent is still active. Um, it is the lines that he is cursing. He is cursing the line of Ham and he is, uh, it's not ethnicity or anything like that. Um, he is cursing the line of uh, this son because of he sees the activity of the seed of the serpent in that line. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He could see, it'd be like let's put it this way. At this point, Cain <laughs> drop my mint. <laughs> Cain is Canaan, look, at this point, Canaan is alive. The sons of Ham are alive. They're, it's not like he's looking off in the future and so say, you're going to have a son. His name is Canaan. Noah has interaction with his sons and his grandsons. And perhaps he can see the attributes of the 
father in the son. He can see the line of, he can see the the seed of the serpent active in Ham, and he can see those same characteristics in Canaan. He doesn't pronounce a curse or a blessing on Ham or Shem or Japheth. Well, I'll show you that in a minute. He is pronouncing curses and blessings on the line. So what Noah's doing is not necessarily cursing the man. Curse be you, you know. He's not, Ham sins, and so here's Ham's grandson. I'm going to curse you because of what he did. He's cursing the line of that people. He is making a prophetic announcement of this line is going to be cursed. They are going to be the seed of the serpent. How would you know that, though, just by reading this? Well, because it is going to come, in the very next chapter, uh, those lines are delineated for us. Like, uh, if you read the next chapter... Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on. But, but, I, but I don't, I, I don't, I'm not seeing it. Right. You know, I just wondered if it's because of all the studying and the, and the knowledge that you've got about it. Well, I told you at the start, there's going to be some questions in this part that I'm not going to be able to answer. You said something a while ago that kind of struck uh, Not bad, I'm just saying uh, you said sin does not uh, generate to generation, but it does say in the Old Testament that God will punish sin seven generations down. Of those who hate me. Right. Yeah. Okay. You gotta add that on there. Of those who hate me. And what what that mean when I say when I say generational curse, I mean you know, Brandon's curse because of what his daddy did. Right. Brandon's having to pay for the sin of his dad. That is, before God, that's, and you can see it, and I can show you the verses, Deuteronomy, Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 18. That is not the way God operates. But he will have to deal with the consequences of his dad's sin. Like, how many times have you seen daddy's alcoholic, son ends up an alcoholic? Right. Just because that's, that's the, con- or, or, you know, daddy beats the son, therefore the son turns out like that. You know, the son in in this Hebrew in this Hebrew culture that we're gonna we're looking at in Genesis, Miss Judy, the sons usually reflect the behaviors, the attributes, the things of their fathers. And so Noah is not just he's not just he is cursing the son. I mean, he's cursing the line of the son. But he is not just cursing the son because of what the father did. Not cursing Canaan because of what Ham did. He's saying this line of people is now going to be cursed as the seed, the line through which the seed of the serpent comes. Another thing right here, it says in 24, and Noah woke up from, from the wine and knew what his younger son had done. Read between that, how did he? Because did his brothers tell him? Did Don't know. I... Uh, it just does. There's lots of speculation. He could have. It could have been a divine. God told him. It could have been. He found out later. I mean, I just don't know. There's no way I could. You know, remember things that are not. Yeah. They get sober real quick when it comes to police officers. There's just no way I can know. There's no way I can know. I mean, it reminds me of from my first viewpoint. Uh, thinking, well, maybe he just glanced on him and then felt bad and told his brother. To now, it, it makes me think of when you're at a party or something, somebody got drunk, and then, then to make fun of them, you draw on their faces, and then they wake up and they see you. So it's like his son had done, him had done something to him to where he's like, oh, no. 
<laughs> I have got some stories about that. <laughs> but it's also you remember remember Whitey? <laughs> this guy's his nickname was. Oh, this is a good story though. <laughs> this guy's name was Whitey. This is it was his nickname, and he. He got drunk at a party and people drew all over his face with magic marker. He woke up about three in the morning and he jumped in his car and went to the gas station and didn't know he had all this. And he was walking out of the gas, still didn't know, walking out of the gas station. The cop pulled the butt up, gave him a DUI because he had all this crap. <laughs> so, yeah, he. Okay, I'm going to edit the tape. When we, uh, all right, go ahead, serious. Serious question. Okay, so did Ham have other sons that weren't necessarily cursed? Ham had other sons, but every son in his line, you see that in the Table of Nations in the next chapter, every son in his line is going to be... Um, Enemies of the people of Israel over time. That's why chapter 10 should have been first. <laughs> chapter 10 is it, it kind of delineates which people groups came from which son. And so it, it tells, you know, it, and it kind of uses different names for these peoples, but like Philistines and Canaanites and Egyptians and all, all of them came from Ham. All the enemies that we're going to see over and over and over again in the Bible, all of these came from the line of Ham. And so that's why we say that Noah is, he's not, Noah is not inventing just a curse. He is prophetically pronouncing that there is a curse upon this line and they will always be uh, anti-God. They will always be rebellious to God's people. Always be uh, antagonistic to the seed of the woman. And with this curse is actually the first time Noah actually says anything. Yes. No, the first time Noah speaks. Noah speaks in the whole Bible. is you know, really the only time. I was always talking and if I'm wrong, I'm, somebody tip me right now so I won't be wrong no more. You are. Shut up, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody except you, Dustin. Except you. <laughs> that Canaan was, you know, Canaan land was the land of milk and honey. Yeah. That was the promised land. Absolutely. I wish they had named him Canaan. <laughs> well, the reason why, and that's a good point, Miss Judy. The reason why Canaanites were in the land of Canaan is because the Israelites were going to come in and wipe them out. They were, they were to come in and bring God's judgment to destroy the Canaanites. They were supposed to kill them. Yeah, they were supposed to kill them. Now, they didn't do it the way God said to do it because they left some alive. But they were supposed to come into the land of Canaan and wipe them out and take the land. Well, I knew they was going to go in and take the land, but... But he didn't curse the land. He cursed the people. Right. And that's why they are the enemies of God. They were to go into Canaan. Joshua was to go in and he said, God said, wipe them out. And of course, we know from judges and, you know, there were certain segments that tried to come make a deal with Joshua and all that. They didn't wipe them out the way they were supposed to and they left them in the land. But that's a whole other story. We'll, we, we may get to that as we move on. Last thing. And then we got to go. Um. He doesn't actually bless. Listen to uh, uh, Shem and Japheth. We're going to do this real quick. He says, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. He doesn't say blessed be Shem. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, 
He's, he's showing us, remember, remember the characteristics of the line of the serpent and the line of the woman? What are the characteristics of the seed of the woman? It's always faith. Remember? It was always faith. Faith is the characteristic that defines... It's not who about who you're born from. It's not about... It's about, about faith in God. And that is what we're seeing here. Noah says, blessed be the God of Shem. Shem is trusting in this God. And so Noah says, blessed be the God of Shem. Canaan is going to be his <coughs> going to be his servant. Rebellion is always rebellion against God always leads to servanthood, slavery, always. Servanthood to sin, servanthood always. Now, some people take this text and try to make it where it's okay to enslave a certain group of people or whatever. That's just nonsense. The What is being seen here is talking about the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent. Okay? And so, the other one he says that, remember, the Shemites are the... Israel, the Jewish people, the Semitic people is where we get that from. Now the other people, Japheth, God will enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Now this is, a lot of people see this as a reference to Japheth is the father of the Gentile nations. Not the line of the, the serpent, but of the Gentile nations and the fact that they will dwell in the tents of Shem is often thought to be a prophecy of the Gentiles coming into relationship with God through the gospel. And so you have Israel, of course, the Shemites <clears throat> that are of God and trusting in God. And you have Japheth, the Gentiles that are going to dwell in the tents of Shem. And you're going to have Canaan, the line of Canaan being the servant. And it's kind of cool that God tells Abraham that, you know, his descendants will be as many as the stars. And then right here... Uh, that God will enlarge Japheth. So that's God saying that He will, you know, enlarge right. the Israelites and He will also the Jewish people and God will also enlarge the Gentiles. Right. And Abraham is in Shem's line. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the way down to Jesus is in Shem's line. Now the last two verses, we got to go. It says... And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Does that sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> what is that the end of? And Noah lived, blah, 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 and he died. Goes back. What we saw from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 9 is a big, long parenthesis. And now we have ended the genealogy of Noah. Remember, so-and-so lived so many years and he died. So-and-so lived so many years and he died. So-and-so lived so many years and he died. And then he said, and Noah was born and Noah and then all the story of Noah and the flood. And now we've ended the genealogy where it says, and Noah lived so-and-so many years and he died. And next, next is the, the genealogy. The genealogy is going to continue in chapter 10 where we talk about the sons of Noah. I really am thinking about just glossing right over that and going into chapter 11. I'll pray about it. We'll figure it out. I'll let you know and I'll send you an outline. Okay? Is there any questions before we go? Okay. Is that... Are we still all interested?